only thing we have to fear is fear itself. The National Weather Service has issued a severe thunderstorm warning. Welcome. To the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast, where prepping doesn't have to be complicated or expensive. Coming to you from a well-defended off-grid compound high in the mountains. Coming to you from his Florida room in Richmond, Virginia. Neither off-grid nor well-defended, unless you count as chickens and cats, here is your host, Keith. Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast. My name is Keith. And this is episode 44. Today is April 26th, 2023. Several podcasts ago, I talked about self-reliance. I talked about nobody was coming to help you in a poop hitting the fan type of scenario. And I gave New York City as kind of an example of a very densely populated area. And the fact that most of the folks that live in any particular borough, any particular neighborhood are not prepared for any type of grid down situation. All right, let's take, for example, the Bronx. The Bronx is 42.2 square miles. 34,000, almost 35,000 people live in a square mile, in each square mile of the Bronx. I think, believe a square mile is 10 city blocks. I believe I somebody told me that as a kid. So 10 city blocks, for some reason, to stick it in my head as a square mile. So 35,000 people live in these apartments and high-rises in the Bronx. 90% of those people do not have three days supply of food and water. So that is 30,000. So 30,000 of the 35,000 people that live in this one square mile area of the Bronx are not prepared for power outage, whatever you want to call it. They don't have three days worth of food and water. Of the 10% that do, how many do you think have seven days? How many of that 10% do you think have 10 days? And let's Take it out one more time. How many of that 10% do you think have a 30-day supply of food and water? I would venture to say a very, very tiny number of that 35,000 are prepared for 20 days or 30 days to basically be on their own. So why do I bring this up? I saw an article that a gentleman posted on Twitter two or three days ago, and he kind of laid out the scenario like this. You live in suburbia, densely populated neighborhood, just single family dwellings. Everybody's got the 2.2 kids, the white picket fence. And these folks know what you do as a hobby. They know you're a prepper, long-term food storage, whatever. We have a poop hits the fan type of scenario. These people are getting hungry. The grocery stores have already been looted, Short, uh, fresh waters of short supply, electricity, the grid is has failed or is failing. Where do you think they're going to go? They're like, isn't that Mike? Is the guy that ends at, lives at the end of the block, or Jimmy? One, you know, one street over in the cul-de-sac. Isn't that the guy that preps? Isn't that the guy with the freeze dryer or the root cellar? Or isn't the guy that's always talking about he has five thousand gallons of water stored in his basement or whatever? People do crazy things when they get hungry. So where do you think all these people are going to go? They're going to the house at the end of the street, at the end of the cul-de-sac, one street over. They're going to Mike's house or Jimmy's house, the two people that they know of that have a long-term supply 
of food and water. Now, this crowd that's very hungry is just going to knock. They're not going to knock on Jimmy's door or, or ring ding dong. Oh, hey, Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, it's me and 200 of my uh, closest friends that are starving. We're really thirsty and you made me have an extra Snickers. We know you prep, maybe some freeze dried, you know, some of that Spaceman ice cream. I doubt if those people are going to be as nice as that. A long time ago, I spoke about when I was a police officer and we had a hurricane come through here in central Virginia. The apartment that I lived in, we were without power for, I believe it was seven or eight days. No traffic lights, um, Fresh water was in short supply, and it was very, very hot. The 7-Eleven, once power came back to the 7-Eleven, it was relatively close to a hospital, so it was kind of tied into the same section of the grid. Uh, hospitals, uh, fire, EMS, those, those type of facilities take priority when the power comes back on. These people actually ambushed the ice truck. So there, a, a, a truck was finally showing up with, I don't know, probably four or 500 bags of ice. It wasn't like a tractor trailer. You know, you've seen them just like a, just a big truck. And the people actually ambushed and mobbed this poor driver who's just trying to pull into this one particular 7-Eleven and drop off, I don't know, 50, 60 bags, whatever the little ice coolers outside hold. Now this is for ice. This isn't hamburger. This isn't sausage. This isn't eggs. This isn't fresh milk. This is just ice. So can you imagine the people that come to Mike and Jimmy's house? They're not going to be very cordial. They're going to break into the house. People that are desperate, people that are starving, will absolutely hurt Jimmy, Mike, any member of his family that that tries to get in the way of them getting to his food supply or getting to his water supply. Go back to that square mile, that one square mile area in the Bronx where there's 35,000 people and 30,000 of them don't have food and water for three days. Let's say we're on day five, day six. Those people are going to start roaming the neighborhoods. You better believe they're going to start kicking in doors and they're going to basically take what they need to survive. The social structure goes completely out the window. And like I said, people that are in these types of situations will absolutely be desperate and hurt you or kill you to get your food and water. Look in the summer of 2020, the summer of love or whatever they call it with all the riots and the people that were that were shot and killed, all the stores that were looted. These people had plenty of food and water at home. They were out protesting something completely different, and they decided just to go ahead and loot and raid these cities and burn them to the ground. Imagine this is a situation where these people don't have the food and water. They're going to do that and then some. Now, there is no e- there is no easy answer when it comes to how you are going to defend yourself, defend your family, and defend your food supply. True, you can have your AR-15, you can have your pistol, you can have your shotgun. So it's you, the wife, the 2.2 kids, maybe you got your uncle over. Against a large group of people that are dead set to get your freeze-dried ice cream, all the other, you know, five-gallon buckets of rice and everything else you have stored, eventually they're going to overwhelm you and whatever home defenses you have. So there is no easy answer. Now, if you bug out to your off-grid cabin, uh, your on-grid cabin further out away from the population, you have a, a much better chance of lasting a lot longer than people that live in a densely populated neighborhood or live in a densely populated city. Again, you can read all the books, you can watch all the movies. I, I can't even imagine what a densely populated city like New York or one of the five boroughs of New York would be like if something like this happens. It would be absolutely horrific. I guess rule number one 
You don't tell anybody about your preps. What do you do? Like maybe strengthen numbers. You get with a couple people in the neighborhood that, you know, you have like, uh, you know, common ground. Uh, you're all into prepping long-term food storage. You make like a little pack or, you know, pack something like that. Hey, when the poop hits the fan, we're going to try to band together. You know, the eight of us, the 10 of us, the 12 of us, let's divide up our supplies in case one house gets raided. We have three other homes that we can go to. My cousin's going to help us out. We're just going to use his shed or whatever as, as a storage unit. We're not going to talk about. And so that'll be like the fallback in case all these homes get raided. It's a very daunting task. It's There's no easy answer. So if I live alone, people come to my house. I'm only going to be able to fend off so many people for so long. And then Lord knows what's going to happen after that. What do you do? Like, oh, here's a five-gallon bucket of rice. Don't come back. That's not going to happen. Once they find out you've got five gallons of rice that you're able to give away, that means you've got 200 pounds of rice that you're keeping for yourself. News will travel quickly and things will probably get pretty scary pretty quick. Again, nobody's coming to help you. You can dial 911 all you want. The police are not coming to get the looters out of your front yard. You know, 911, what's your emergency? Well, I know you guys are probably pretty busy right now, but I have about 20 or 30 people circling my house, throwing rocks at the windows. Uh, screaming, you better give us your food or we're going to kill you. Oh, yes, sir. We'll have a couple officers on the way in just a minute. If the poop hits the fan, if this is a grid down situation, 911 is not going to work. Nobody's going to be answering 911 and sending police officers to your home to take care of the 30 people that are trying to get into your garage to get your rice, your beans, and your Spaceman ice cream. It's just not going to happen. Has anybody noticed that the news is not talking about the war in Ukraine at all? I have not seen or read an article about the ongoing war between Russia and Ukraine for a couple weeks. It's gone eerily silent. Here's my opinion on why. There's been more and more documents, more and more information that has come out that link that link the Biden family to Ukraine. There's apparently all sorts of bank records and banks are offering up these records that, you know, money from the Chinese, a lot of stuff that people thought was going on anyway. And now apparently there's just more proof. We know that the mainstream media is not on the side of the conservatives or any conservative politicians. They're quite the opposite. So I think the heat has been turned up a little bit here and there and the mainstream media has dialed back pretty much talking about Ukraine, period. I believe it was yesterday or the day before. Yeah, the day before Fox News fired Tucker Carlson uh, the same day that CNN fired Don Lemon. Now, Don Lemon and Tucker Carlson are on two different levels when it comes to journalism, commentary, whatever you want to call it. So basically, Fox got rid of the last, I guess, conservative journalist talking head that they really had on the network that a lot of people listen to. So I assume he'll go off and start doing his own podcast and go private. The viewerships with the Fox app or Fox Nation or whatever it calls has absolutely tanked. But Rupert Murdoch, they have bajillions of dollars. So in the long term, I think Fox is going to be okay financially. But kind of the scary thing is, you know, short of Newsmax and was it One American News and a few other places, there's no lot, there's not a whole lot of places to turn to to get a more balanced view of what's going on in the world. 
So again, with that said, like I've said before, please get your news and your information from multiple sources and just basically go ahead and and make up your own mind when it comes to things like that. So I finally have my garden, my garden in the ground, my plants in the ground in my garden. Not sure how you say that. My garden's down. I got a down garden. Anyway, um, the prices of plants at like Home Depot, Lowe's, Tractor Supply, are actually up this year. So you get the little plastic thing that has four tomato plants in it, whatever you want to call that, a four pack is $4.98, $5.98, and I've seen $6.98 at some of these stores. That's tomatoes, peppers, and, and some other types of plants that is really, uh, it's expensive. To me, that's expensive for four little plants. But I, I picked up a few here and there because I really like to try running a garden. I don't do very well, but it's, it's the thought that counts, and I'm getting a little better each year, trust me. Well, there is a place not too far from the house, the uh, Petersburg Trading Company. Down there, their little four-pack of plants are $1.99. Entire flat, and I'm not sure how many, it's like, what, two, six by two, or so that's uh, 12, 14 flats, or 14 little four-packs, whatever it happens to be, is fourteen ninety nine. So you get a tremendous amount of plants and you can mix and match for $14.99. That would be roughly uh, just 12 plants, three, four packs at Home Depot, Lowe's, or Tractor Supply. You can get so much more at the Petersburg Trading Company, $1.99 for a four pack and again, $14.99 for an entire flat. And they have a pretty big selection. I didn't know there were so many different types of tomatoes. There's some tomatoes I have never even heard of. Probably 15 or 20 different species of peppers or variety. I don't know. Species or plant. Yeah, you can have a species of a plant, right? Or is that just animals? Anyway, 14 or 15 different types of peppers. Peppers and tomatoes I've never heard of. The prices are great. This place has everything. It's like a big hardware store, but it's got these little, it's got these, it's like it is in this old building. So they have these little uh, side buildings and there's all sorts of stuff for gardening, barbecue. They have placemats. It's it's just weird. There's all sorts of things. It's just kind of a hodgepodge. It, it kind of reminds me of like one of those salvage centers where all this extra stuff comes in that was on a tractor trail that turned over. It's actually some really good products at some fantastic prices. I've actually going down there this weekend because I put all the stuff in the ground and I have a lot of room left. So currently there's cucumbers, Roma tomatoes, cantaloupe, mushmelon, whatever those are, uh, hot peppers, sweet peppers. I think that's it. My potatoes. I'm growing potatoes in five-gallon buckets. I got my seed potatoes, put a little bit of the uh, the soil, probably about a third, about a quarter full, put the seed potato in there, and then when it starts to sprout up through that, you put another layer on, sprouts that. So basically, you put four layers, and that brings you up to the top of the five-gallon bucket. After that, you don't add anymore, obviously, and you just let the thing grow. Well, these things are absolutely going gangbusters. I've got tato leaves potato sprouts, whatever comes out of a potato, uh, just all over the place. They're like overflowing outside of this bucket. So I'm really kind of curious on what happens. I don't know. I don't even know when these things are, are, you can like pull them out and start picking them. I got to look that up either. I'm not sure how that works. The green beans are finally, I'm growing those in five gallon buckets as well. Those are finally starting to uh, grow pretty quick, wrap themselves around the tomato cage that I kind of stuck in the five gallon bucket. So they're finally starting to take off. So so far, so good. I need to get a fence up, uh, put my fence back up because the deer are very, very, very soon going to find out that there's little green plants in my yard and they're not going to eat the grass. They're going to come chomping on my tomatoes. So I need to get 
that little fence, that little fence, fence, that little fancy fence. I got to get that fence up there. I just said it again, fence, F-E-N-C-E. Again, using my mouth words, fence, F-E-N-C-E. I need to get the fence up this weekend. Birthday weekend coming up. Took off Friday. I'm at my vacation cap, so it's going to be a three-day weekend. Weather's supposed to be great, so I'm putting up a fence, and I am going down to Petersburg Trading Company to get some more plants for my garden. Let me tell you about the chicken fiasco over the weekend. So obviously, Mary Poopins passed away. We all know that. Rest in peace, Mary Poopins. And Lefty is 100%. Everybody's laying eggs. We're looking good. I wanted to get two more chickens. All right, let me get two more chickens and add them to the flock, get some more eggs, maybe get some different you know breeds of chicken and kind of kind of mix it up a little bit. Well, I didn't do my research and I'm kind of kicking myself in the butt for that. And I, I, I really feel stupid for this. So um, Jody, my girlfriend, she had a former coworker that lives on a farm. Chickens, horses, pigs, cows, llamas, emu, they have it all. She's like, hey, come get a couple chickens. We'll make sure we pick out a couple chickens that just started laying. You know, they're good layers. And I'm thinking, all right, let's try it. I'm thinking, ah, there's going to be some, a little bit of tension between the farm chickens and the chickens that I have because they're, they're, you know, raised on a, by a breeder on a farm. It just was a chicken farm. So the golden comets that I have are very docile. Uh, they do scream and yell every once in a while, but they're very, very docile, docile chickens. The two chickens we picked up were not. These chickens do not like to be handled. They literally free range all over the farm with all the other farm animals. And I'm like, ah, maybe they won't get along, but they're chickens. Pecking order. Maybe it's going to take a few days for them to get accustomed to each other. Well, it didn't quite work out that way because my chicken, so it's six versus two. The two feral farm chickens or whatever you want to call them did fight back some, but you know, they started to get used to each other two or three hours eating, not really bothering each other. And then I decided to Google how to incorporate chickens or new chickens into your established flock. Well, obviously there's two types of chickens. There's the chickens you get from the breeders like my golden comets. And then there's the farm chickens that basically just run wild all over the farms. And I quickly realized that I had made a huge mistake. The chickens from the farm, they're not vaccinated. They have their own set of diseases. They're running around with mites, bugs, whatever all these chicken diseases are. Mine don't have those. The proper procedure is to get your feral farm chickens, isolate them to make sure they're not sick, and then slowly introduce them to your flock. These websites are taking, saying this is, could take up to several weeks for this to happen. Put them in a cage, put them next to the other chickens, and all this crazy stuff. And they also said you're taking a significant risk introducing feral farm chickens, I'm making this up, feral farm chickens into your established flock from a breeder. Diseases that the feral chickens will have will quickly get passed over to your breeder chickens and it'll decimate your flock. I was so angry with myself. I could have avoided traveling 45 minutes there and back if I had just read five minutes of of several articles that I found on the internet. I had to take the chickens back. These chickens do not like to be handled. I must have chased them for 20 minutes before I could get them back in the box, drove 45 minutes back down to the feral chicken farm, and I pulled up into the driveway, pulled out near the barn, set the box down, put it off to the side. The two chickens jumped out, realized where they were, They looked down the lane. They saw all their feral chicken farm friends 
and the hogs and the llamas and the emus and the cows and the goats. And they just took off just like, we're, we're free. We're back among our people. I felt better that they were back among their people. And I felt like a, a, a poop head for not taking the time to actually do the research. My chickens seemed to be okay. They were only around each other a few hours. So I certainly hope there wasn't some crazy feral chicken disease, uh, feral farm chicken disease that was that was passed to my flock. So lesson learned. I've got six chickens. I'm sticking with six chickens, and I'm not going to get all crazy trying to introduce new chickens, even from a breeder. I'm just like, you know what? I'll just stick with my six. Maybe one of these days when I know a little bit more about what is going on, I will go ahead and try to add more to the flock. But I'm done with all that stress. I really feel bad. My six hens, very docile. You pet them, pick them up. They talk to you. They're just like pets. Uh, The feral farm chickens are just like, they're not. They're just like, we're chickens and don't come near me because I'm a feral farm chicken and I do what I want. Those two types of chickens don't mix very well. So lesson learned. Okay, folks, thanks for listening in. If you want to reach me on the Twitter, oh, I have a blue check now. How cool is that? Um, Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast or the, the actual handle or whatever you want to call it is prep underscore podcast practical prep podcast on gmail if you want to go ahead and and shoot me an email again thank you folks again i look at the stats uh, the metrics every week and i continue to get uh, listens downloads folks from all over the world i really do appreciate it and again as always especially with all the crap going on in the world please be safe take care of one another and until next time Thanks for listening to the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, help spread the word by leaving a rating and review. 